think there are some declarations that are true that pertain to our identity. And as I was reading the, the word today and asking the Holy Spirit what to share, if anything, if anything, or we just go pray and, and we will do that, I really came to this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And it's actually, it's interesting because Chris, you mentioned it to me on, on the phone the other, the, yesterday. And uh, so this is a totally different scenario, but it came to me today nonetheless. And uh, it's a very strange passage to be talking to you about uh, with the way that I'm going to say it, but I think context is fine. The, w- how I'm going to share this, the context would be okay. But th- the passage uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul for two chapters, okay, you have to take, take, uh, take this in, for two chapters he has been correcting the church regarding sexual sin. I'm not going to talk to you about sexual sin. We could talk, we could do a whole seminar, okay? So let me just say, you know, don't do it, all right? But I'm going to move on from that. It's bad. But he's, there's two chapters about sexual sin, and he comes to this conclusion, and it applies, the conclusion itself would apply to us, and it carries with it a, a powerful declaration if we internalize it. And that's what I want to get to. Because knowing who we are in Christ is very important, not just because we've been battered and bruised, not just because we have an inferiority complex. That was, is part of it. If you, if you and I do not know who we are and we walk around in life victimized uh, and abused and, and beat up by everybody mentally, whether it's our perception or it's in reality, if we, if we don't have a transcendent perspective based on the word, we're just going to keep getting beat up, even when people aren't there to do it. We have to know our identity in Christ. We've got to know who we are. That's number one. We've got to know that so that we can rise above the things that come against. But there is also something that's important about knowing who we are in Christ so that we don't keep doing the same foolish stuff that we used to do. So on one hand, it's a protection. It's a shield for our life. But on the other hand, it also is a motivator for us so that we don't go back to places that we ought not be. You know, Jesus would say things that I don't know how any preacher says it with a straight face, but he says the dog goes back to its own vomit. You know, he he uses drastic metaphors that I don't feel always comfortable using, but that's not what we want. And there's something about knowing who we are in Christ that safeguards us from going back to the things that we once did because it's no longer who we are. Amen? So there are two things that it helps us with. And so I want to share with you um, the declaration over us tonight is, I have been purchased. I have been purchased with a high price. Here's what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Paul says, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Now that's the summation of two chapters that he's been talking about. Now listen to this. Or do you not know? I just, Paul is saying something to people here. Do you not? It's like saying, have you forgotten? Do you not remember? It's almost a holy shake. (laughs) Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. Everybody say, not your own. You're speaking to yourself tonight. You're not your own. You've been purchased. 
He goes on and says, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body or with your body. You and I have been purchased. And the Bible's very clear that we needed to be purchased. Now, why is Paul telling the Corinthians or reminding them about their identity in Christ? Because they keep going back to foolishness. They're not looking like Christ. They don't smell like Christ. They're certainly not a good witness of Christ. He's not telling them, you need to remember, be reminded of who you are in Jesus so that you don't walk around in life beat down and and victimized. That is important. We do need to know who we are in Christ for that reason. But he's telling a people who keep going back. He said, stop going back. Do you not know? Have you forgotten? And I was thinking in my mind, in this place where pinballs go off, I was thinking about how in this season, so much of what happens and is said in the name of Christ is not the Christ. So much that is on display, that is sort of public and talked about and in the news and and whatever it might be about Christians or the evangelical church or whatever is named, I'm not here to perpetuate that. But I am here to say that some of it is well-earned. Some of it, it doesn't look like Jesus. And Paul here said to the Corinthians who didn't look like Jesus, do you not know? He didn't just say, stop it. He spent two chapters on that. But he said, have you forgotten? You've been purchased, man. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And right now you're playing for the wrong team. When Bridget and I were raising our older boys, our younger kids, they're not kids anymore, but our teenagers now don't uh, play sports. They do music and dance and jujitsu. <laughs> so they don't, they don't do the sports. But our younger, our boys, when, our older boys, when they were younger, they played soccer. And I remember one of our sons, and you know this, when little boys and girls play, get on the soccer team. It's the funniest thing. They're not really playing. You understand? It's really entertainment for the parents. You understand? Right? I mean, we go because we don't know what Tommy so-and-so is going to do when he's playing basketball. He's probably going to throw it at somebody. And we turn around and laugh and it's very therapeutic. And if you're not a parent, that'll be a lot funnier later down the road. But anyways, I can remember one of our sons and he got the ball one time, and I th- it was probably one of the first times he got the ball, and he just blasts off down the field, kicking the ball, and he is, man, he's going for that goal. He's playing soccer. He's going for the goal. He's like, no, nobody's even following him, you know? Nobody's even on his trail. He's going after it. He's kicking the ball, kicking the ball, kicking the ball, kicking the ball, and then he goes for it, you know, and I'm pretty sure he missed, but at some point, it dawned on him. Nobody was chasing him for a reason because he was going the wrong way. You understand, it happened, and it's, it was, it's, but it was our son, so it wasn't funny. You shouldn't be laughing. But it is funny, but what's not funny is you're, you're playing for the wrong team. And if you, hit the, if, you hit, if you get a goal, you just scored for the wrong team. When Christians don't live like Christ, we're scoring for the wrong team. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, have you not forgotten who you are? And what that means and how much was paid for you so that you could live a righteous life in Christ. 
Have you forgotten? Do you know the spirit of the living God is inside of you, not just for signs, wonders, and miracles, but also to stand upright and righteous in an unrighteous world, that you could be a bright light in a dark time. And he's indicting them, but he's also calling them to an understanding of who they are. And, and we want to play for the right team. And I, I've got three declarations for you. They're not really points. They're declarations. I've been purchased. I was purchased from my sin. I want to say that with you. I was purchased from my sin. Let's say it. I was purchased from my sin. You have to know that, right? We have to remember that. And that's one of the reasons we don't go back to that old way of thinking, that old way of living. I was purchased from my sin, which means Jesus paid a price, so I don't have to go back to it. Amen. So if you're going back to it in your mind, in your heart, your word, and your deeds, you can say over your life, I was purchased from my sin with something that was expensive. Paul says it this way in Romans, what shall we say? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know? Oh, he says it to the Romans. It's not just Corinthians. He's an equal opportunity corrector. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into his death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Because Jesus rose from the dead, that doesn't just mean that I'm going to rise from the dead. It means that I can walk in the newness of life today. That's what Paul was saying to the Romans. You can leave your foolish ways behind. I love it. And he's saying this to them again. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. We are not slaves to sin. Declaration number one, I was purchased from my sin. I'm not a slave to my old life. The shackles have been broken. They're gone. I don't have to live like that anymore. Amen. And we can say that over every sin that is trying to plague us right now. And that means all of the ones that we don't run up for confession. You understand, it's attitudes, it's actions, it's all of the above. All of those things, we speak to them in the name of Jesus with the authority of God's word. I don't have to go back. I don't have to think like that. I'm not a slave in my mind. As Pastor Darby said tonight, we need to renew our mind. How do we do that? We do that by knowing the word and living the word. Here's what the word says to you tonight. You've been purchased. I have been purchased. The second declaration is, I was purchased because I am valuable. And we're going to say that one again. Let me say it one more time, and then we'll do it together. I was purchased because I am valuable. Let's do it again. I was purchased because I am valuable. Do you know how valuable you are? I know that's something a parent would say to their child because they have to. But God says it to all of us. Because it's true. He doesn't have to. Paul said here, you were purchased with the highest price. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, if you address the Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves. If you are his, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. This is the way you ought to live. 
And then he says, knowing that you were not redeemed or purchased, same word here, you were not purchased with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life. That's a nice way of saying from your sin. Inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. We were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. When he says unblemished, it's important that we lock in how powerful it is when Peter says it. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. He is not just saying, you know, Jesus was sinless and I have to teach that doctrine and make sure that I say that to everyone. Peter actually watched Jesus live for three years. So when he says he was unblemished, when he talks about the precious blood of Jesus, he never saw Jesus sin for three years. He affirms the doctrine that we teach. He never saw it. Can you imagine that Peter, as he says this, he is saying it with great intensity. You were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless blood of Jesus. He gave it for you. Nobody took it. He gave it for you. You are valuable. I bet you Peter understood the value. I bet you Peter was, as he was conveying this message, he truly got it and he wanted his followers to get it, the ones that were walking with Jesus at that time. I want you to get this. The price that was paid shows the value that we truly have. And when we give ourselves to lesser things, we are saying we're not worth that much. When we give ourselves to sin, we are saying by our actions, our life isn't worth that much. It's, 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 it doesn't mean as much. It doesn't matter as much. No, no. Peter would say it, Paul would say it, Christ himself said it by what he did. Our life is valuable. That means not just our life uh, purchased for eternity, but every word and every deed. Our life in this world matters. Everything we do matters. We've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. I want you to look at this picture. I, Scott, do you have this picture up here? Now I want to show you a picture. You see this? Do you guys, uh, do, you, do, you, do you like that picture? No, this picture, uh, it's got a name here. It's called um, Salvatore Mundi is what it's called. And it was done by Leonardo da Vinci uh, 500 years ago or so. Um, and they don't even think, the one that we have now, they don't even think that, uh, that it's the real one. It's been restored. They're not, they're not actually really sure. I mean, they, they think so. It's, this is a, an old one. But this is the one... Uh, it's not a copy. This is a, a picture. It's just a, uh, obviously, it's just a graphic of the one that was purchased in 2017. And I believe it was purchased in, in Abu Dhabi. Somebody has a lot of money over there. And this was the uh, uh, greatest art purchase ever so far. $450 million. Somebody bought that. That's a picture of Jesus making a cross as a Catholic thing. It's a picture of Jesus doing a Catholic cross. I, I, I can't tell that, but that's what I've, I've been told. $450 million. Let me ask you a question. Would you even want that on your mantle? I mean, if I didn't tell you that. Like, you, if I asked you if you liked it and all of you were like, no. <laughs> like, that does not look like Jesus. First of all, Jesus wasn't white. Let's just agree there, okay? He wasn't white. Uh, I don't even know if that guy's white. So... But uh, this guy looks like he's in a Seattle band, for sure. I'm just, you know, I would not want that on my mantle. Okay? 
I'm not trying to be mean. I don't, I don't, I, there's nothing wrong with men having long hair. I've just, I, I've just, I don't want that on my mantle. You understand? And when I think of that being worth $450 million and I ask the question, was it worth it? Everybody in this room, you, you didn't want it to begin with. Now you're like, well, now that I know it's valuable, I want it. I mean, sure, I'll take Yeah, absolutely, I'll, t- I'll take it. But you wouldn't have said that. If I said, would you pay $1,000 for it, you wouldn't have. Nobody in this room would have paid $500 for this until you found out what it was. Let's just be straight. Be honest with me, okay? So the question is, is this worth $450 million? Okay, you, you now, now you know where I'm going, so you don't know what to say. The answer is yes, this is worth $450 million. Do you know why? Because somebody decided that it was, that it was worth $450 million. Doesn't, see, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what you and I think. We didn't pay for it. Doesn't matter. We could sit there all day and say, you know what you could buy with $450 million? But it doesn't matter. See, that's, that's the point. The point is the value isn't what you and I deem that it is. It's the purchaser. The person that purchased this says it's worth $450 million. How much are you worth? How much are you worth? The infinite blood of his son. That's what the Bible says. We have been purchased, Paul says it like this, with the highest price. That's priceless. That means you and I are worth more than we could ever fathom. The infinite worth of Christ. Friends, this is mind-blowing, right? Not just because I'm saying it or how I'm saying it, but it's mind-blowing. Please take that picture off, Scott. Thank you so much. It's, it's going to plague my message. <laughs> I, feel him, I feel him looking at me. You understand? I feel him looking at me. You're worth a lot. You are. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, but Peter said it. Paul said it. Jesus showed it. We've been purchased with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. He was willing to pay all of that for us. Why am I saying that? Because the declaration over us is I was purchased because I'm valuable. The third and the final one is I was purchased for a purpose. Everybody say that. I was purchased for a purpose. We can't get out of this. When Paul said to them, do you not know? Another way of saying is, have you forgotten? And he would say that to them, rightly so, because of how they were living. In this season, this is the deal, we have got to come back, all of us, we've got to come back to who we are in Christ. We've got to come back to the payment that has been made and wanting to bring him glory as a result of it. Lord, I want to spend my life on all that matters for you and for your kingdom. I've been given a purpose, and that purpose is not what I deem it to be, what I choose it to be, what I want it to be. That purpose comes out of what you desire because you purchased me. I'm no longer my own. I do not belong to myself. I don't get to speak over my life, what I want, where I want to go, how I want it to be. You get to say all of that to me. In this this season, we need to be asking God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to bring your name glory? That's all that my life is about. This is all of it. Jesus is calling upon his people in this season, I believe, for us to push it all into the center of the table and say, for you and for you alone, it's all what you want. It's not about me. I need to decrease and I need to get set back and I need to put you first and I need to make sure I'm hearing your voice and I need to make sure I'm all about your business and this is what it's all about. I can hear it in my heart. Do you not know? 
Have you forgotten? I was purchased for a purpose. I've sat with people. I've, I've shared this before. I'll share it again. And, and I'm, I'm um, Jandy, whoever's going to come and, and play with us, if you could do that now, that'd be great. I've said this many times, but I've had the privilege of being with people in their last days of their life. And when you're with someone when they're dying, I want to tell you how simple life really is. Some of you know this because you, you've been around it. Some of you have had jobs where you ministered to people in those days. But I can tell you from experience, when you sit with people in the last days of their life, there's a whole lot of things they're not thinking about. And it's hard when you try to help young people understand that in particular. I can speak the truth on that. I've, I'm somewhere in the middle age bracket. And as a young man, I never really thought much about what life was going to be like at the end when I had no more life to live and how I might feel about that. I don't know if I could say that I've always lived with eternity in my view or with God's purpose ever before me and haven't gotten caught up with all, caught up with all the things that are in front of me and the, the worries, the cares, the pleasures of this life. Jesus spoke about that. He, he, he warned his people. He told us very clearly what things were going to be like and how temptations were going to come and trials were going to come. How many times did the apostles warn us about what life was going to be filled with? I mean, Jesus even promised it. It's not a promise we like to claim, but it's certainly what he said in John 16, In this life, you will have trouble. But then he says, take heart, I've overcome the world. So you get to live through those things that come into your world in such a way where you know the end from the beginning. I'm giving it to you in advance. And he would say to his disciples, I have said this to you in advance so that your joy may be complete. In other words, the only way that you can have joy when difficult things come, and they will come, the only way is because you know something that other people that are in the same situation do not know. You know what I'm doing, you know who I am, and you know what I'm calling you to do. You know this already. If not in a micro version, we know the macro. We know the big plan of God. We know exactly what he's up to, exactly what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live. This is why the apostles would again and again remind the people of God when they got into these places who they were, who Jesus was, what he paid for, and what that means for them in this season. You've been, man, I don't need to know that. I already know that. Right, but Paul was saying, you have forgotten it, not just because you, you can't repeat it, but because of the way you're living. I'm watching your life and I'm telling you, you've forgotten You've forgotten because the way you're living proves it. If you hadn't forgotten, you wouldn't be saying that. If you hadn't forgotten, you wouldn't be doing that. If you had, hadn't forgotten, you wouldn't be living like that. You have forgotten something, and Paul was trying to bring them back, and it took a wake-up call. That's what revival looks like, isn't it? It looks like somebody waking up, even though they know, I know I should know this. I should be living in this. I feel shame when you bring it up, but it's in those moments where a revival comes and we wake up and we go, I've got to stop living like that. I've got to stop thinking like that. I've got to stop being like that. And when that happens, revival is right around the corner because the people of God start waking up to who God is again. What God's doing again. What he wants in our life again. And we don't get held back. We don't, be li we don't live by our shame. We say, yes, God. In this season, yes, God. In this season, I'm going to worship you. In this season, I'm going to prophesy. In this season, I'm going to dig into the word. In this season, I'm going to get rid of my sin. In this season, I'm going to connect with the church. In this season, I'm going to share the gospel. I don't know where I was and what I was doing, but I know who I am and I know what I'm supposed to do now. 
And that's what it's about. And that's what revival looks like. It's not a meeting. It's not a goosebump. It's not a feeling. It's not some deep revelation you don't know. It's being awakened to what you do know. It's being awakened to who you do know. It's being awakened to who you are and standing in it and staying in it and not going back. There's no going back. I get so, I mean, I I get so exhausted by some people's version of revival. (laughs) Some people's version of revival is come to the revival. We're going to have it tomorrow night too. And then we're going to have it tomorrow night. And it sets them up for this this mountain. And then they're going to go back down into the valley. Because revival wasn't something they could take with them. Amen. It wasn't something they were to live in. It wasn't something they were to understand. It wasn't something they were to walk in. God, he has given us so much more than we're walking in. Amen. So much more. So we're not trying to get more. We're trying to walk in the more. We're trying to walk in what we know. We're trying to walk out what is true. We're trying to lay hold of many of these things that maybe we're just just leaving on the side of the road, not picking them back up in the season. I want to encourage you. And I want to say it the way Paul said it, to you and to me, do you not know? Oh man, you could say it two ways. You could say to the person that needs to stand up because they've been beaten down, do you, do you not know? You could say it two ways. You could say it like Joel Osteen, do you not know? You could say it like Joel, you know, and you mean you, some of you need that. Or you could say it like Paul, do you not know? Stop going back. Cut yourself off from that sin. It's killing us. Those words, those statements, replace it, displace it with prayer, prophecy worship. It's time to press in. Amen. It's time to go for it. And I believe in this season, the anointing of God is going to rest on us. And I want to prepare us for it. I want to get ready for it. I do. I'm, I'm not trying to promise you over promise under deliver, but I want us to be a house that is so ready for the glory of the Lord that as it begins to come, it doesn't surprise us. It doesn't shock us. We don't just come to the church one night and like 10 of us fall over on the floor and we go, man, that's revival. It's like we've been, we've been wading into those waters the entire time. We've been saying, come, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, be poured out. We've been welcoming his power and his presence for years. But it's for those of us that go back to this stuff. We go back to this stuff over here and then we come back. Revival for us is getting a little taste. It's getting a little feeling. God wants us to, he wants us to go way past that. I used to live in that conference stuff. It doesn't work, guys. It's lifestyle or it's nothing. It's lifestyle or it's nothing. It's every day in every way. More, step into more, just a little bit more, a little bit more. Come on, God, we want more. And that happens right in the local church. I don't know if you'll get a goosebump or not, but uh, you can worship God right where you are. You could be reminded of who he is tonight. You could be reminded of who you are tonight. And these declarations are true. And I'm going to say them over all of us and shame the devil. I was purchased from my sin. I was purchased because I'm valuable. I was purchased for a purpose. But the fact is I have been purchased and I'm not my own and neither are you. And that's what we're going to press into tonight. Asking God to give us the revelation of his wisdom and his love, to pour it out on us again. Ask for it again, unashamedly. We're not going, I know that. We're saying, I need to know more of that. That's the attitude that God dumps out more on. He does, and don't more on. I didn't mean more, you understand. I didn't mean it like that. Although, you know, if the shoe fits, we kick those off. We get a new pair. That's, that's, you know, 
Uh, don't, don't pull that. Yeah, you need to know who you are in Christ. You're not, that should have been the name of the message. You're not a moron. That could have been, that have been, that would have been bad. That's, somebody told me this. Uh, yeah, it, it's not, it wasn't Pastor Ben. My name's Pastor Jared. It's good to see you guys tonight. It's good to see you. Jared Hunt at Northwest Church. That's right. <clears throat> Just look a little different. It's the light. So let's stand. Let's worship into his presence. Come on. Some of you needed a laugh. That's deliverance too, isn't it? Yes, Lord. Let's pray. And let's pray with the faith that we have, whatever that is. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. And we ask you for a revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of your will. No more would we say, oh, I know that. We're asking to know more about that. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Humble our hearts. We ask for the spirit of revival in our church that every one of us would not just experience you, but we would walk with you. We would have more of you and we would give more of ourselves to you. So come in our midst tonight. Spirit of prophecy, fall upon us. Not just to receive a word, but to give a word. Not just to hear from someone else, but to hear from heaven. We ask you to come sweep through this room. We ask for the fires of holiness. You are a jealous God. You're a consuming fire. And you want to burn up those things in us that do not belong. And so we give them to you tonight. And that's what we need to do. Revival starts there for some of us. Just give him your sin. Give him the cycles of sin. Tell him, I haven't been able to break this, but I thank you for your grace. If you have those things, those hidden things in your life, this is what we say. Father, I thank you that's not who I am anymore. I thank you that by the precious blood of Jesus that you speak a better word over me. I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. I don't, know, I don't have to go back to those old ways, those old attitudes, those old ways of thinking and doing. Come Holy Spirit, purify my mind, purify my heart, make me clean. Make me clean, oh God. Yes. Let's hang out right there, just in that place of holiness, asking God to purify. Purify our mind. Purify our heart. Yes, oh God. Make us ready for all that you want to do in and through us. Purify the vessels for this season. Not for another time, but for this time. Come. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.